We are in chapter 14 and we pick it up in the middle of the action where a huge Philistine army is facing off against a tiny and frightened Jewish army. And before the bullets start to fly, Yonatan, the son of King Saul, decides to take a daring risk. He sees that his father, King Saul, is hesitant. He sees on paper, there's no way the Jews could win this thing. Or let's say, if things keep up the way they are, the Jews are so outnumbered to have any chance. So Yonatan decides to go on offense. That's always the best strategy when you're the big underdog. At least you fight the war in your terms. So you go on offense and that gives you the element of surprise. But since Yonatan is fighting this thing with his arms bearer only, it's just the two of them. It's just the two of them against the world. He wants to get a sign from Hashem that he should go ahead with his plan of a preemptive strike against the Philistines. And the sign goes like this. And we saw this in verses 9 and 10. He says, we'll approach the Philistine outpost. We'll let them know we're here. And if they say to us, wait there and we'll come out to you, then we will not attack them. But if they say, Alu aleinu, come up to us, that's a sign that Hashem has delivered them into our hands and we are going to go on the attack. And we discussed the logic in it. It wasn't that Yonatan was just looking for a random sign here, but something that made sense. Because if they say, wait, we'll come out to you, that means they're not afraid to leave their position and venture outside. But if the answer come up to us, that means they're hunkering down. They're weary about leaving their position, which means that they're a bit nervous and Hashem has maybe planted fear in their hearts. So there is some logic to it because in the end, any war is about momentum. It's about morale. It's always about who's more confident and who has the butterflies. And it's not just a matter of the sign being logical. Yonatan wants to feel it. He wants to feel that Hashem is with him in what he's doing here. That's one of the reasons he said to his arms bearer, let's go over to those uncircumcised Philistines over there. Why does he call them uncircumcised? Because that adds to his bitachon. He's saying, hey, there are a bunch of uncircumcised Gentiles and we're Jews. God's going to be on our side. Anyway, let's pick it up here in verse 11. Yonatan and his arms bearer are going to make their move. And it says in verse 11, And both of them revealed themselves to the Philistine garrisons. And the Philistines said, Hey, the Hebrews, they're emerging from the holes where they were hiding themselves. So we see the Philistines are using the word Hebrews, which is a term of mockery. Hebrew, Ivri, meaning the other side. It's those Jews who came from the other side. They're not locals. They're from the other side. So those Hebrews, they're coming out of the holes they were hiding in. The mockery is quite evident. And we saw in the previous chapter how the Jews were scattering from Saul's army in cracks and crevices and caves. They were crossing the Jordan. So the Philistines are making fun of it. And it says, hey, the Jews are coming out of their holes. But the thing is, you see from this verse, they are not expecting any kind of confrontation. They think it's a couple of Jews who ran away, who are trying to take refuge with the Philistines and give themselves up. They have no idea that it's Yonatan and his arms bearer who are about to attack them. So again, this adds to the element of surprise. They're not expecting in any way, any kind of violent or physical confrontation. They think that these Jews are deserters who are coming to get refuge, not coming to fight them. Okay, so that's what they said among themselves, that look at these Hebrews coming out of the cracks. But what did they say now to Yonatan and his arms bearer outside? That's verse 12. This is what they answered them. 
and the men of the fortress called to Yonatan and his arms bearer, and they said, Alu aleinu, come up to us. Because we want to tell you something. And when they say, we got something to say to you, or we want to tell you something, what they mean is they want to kill them. It's like something out of the movie On the Waterfront, if you know that classic, where they say, come on down, somebody wants to talk to you, which means they want to kill them. That's what they're saying here. Come on down. And what's Yonatan's response? And Yonatan said to his arms bearer, follow me. For the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. And Yonatan is giving his arms bearer the green light because according to the sign, if they say, if they say, come up to us, that's a sign that they're hunkering down. They don't want to leave their position. And so we're going to go after them. Now the term alu come up to us, besides it being a sign that they're hunkering down and they don't want to leave their positions, alu or come up to us also means in Hebrew to overcome somebody or to triumph over somebody. If I say alita alav, it means I beat on him, I triumphed over him. So when they say alu they're saying come up to us, but subconsciously they're saying triumph over us, talu beat on us. So the fact that they said that can also be a subliminal sign that indeed Hashem has delivered them into the hands of the Jews. And as we saw, that was a sign for Yonatan to go ahead with his attack. Verse 13, Vayal Yonatan al yadav al raglav. And Yonatan climbed up on his hands and on his feet, with his arms bearer right behind him. And they fell before Yonatan. That is, Yonatan attacked them and they fell before him. And his weapons bearer was slaying after him. That is, anybody who was wounded by Yonatan, his arms bearer would finish him off. And it says in the verse again that Yal Yonatan al Yadavar Aglav, he climbed up on his hands and on his feet with his weapons bearer, and then he started the attack. Well, most of the commentators interpret it literally that he actually climbed up a slippery, steep cliff to get up to the Philistine garrison. And in order to climb up this stony crag, he had to get on all fours. And according to the Dat Mikra, the fact that Yonatan had to climb on all fours to get to the Philistine fortress, that means he was approaching the fortress from an angle or a direction regular fighters don't use. It was an entrance maybe used for deserters or people who were running away. The fact that he attacked from that angle or from that entrance way, the Philistines were sure that the people coming towards them were deserters and Jews that fled from the war who are now turning themselves in. There was no way they suspected that Jewish fighters were coming through there. Again, all this adds to the element of surprise. So Yonatan bursts upon the scene, hacking away with his arms bearer right behind him to clean up after him. And the way the verse is worded, and they fell before Yonatan, and his arms bearer was killing after him, you feel the coordination between the two of them in the verse. This is well coordinated between them. They probably practiced this. They knew what they were doing. Verse 14, And it was that that initial attack there, that is that first shot, that Yonatan and his arms bearer smote, and here the verse is giving the area in which those first Philistines were attacked and killed. And the verse is saying that in this first attack here, Yonatan and his arms bearer killed about 20 men in a general area of about a half an acre. Verse 15, And there was a tremendous panic 
or trembling in the Philistine camp. So this attack has caught them totally by surprise. They don't know where it's coming from. The Radak says, And their panic was great. Because they didn't see who was fighting them. And this is going to cause great confusion amongst them, as we'll see soon. The verse continues, There was a panic in the camp, and in the field, and among the people, the garrison and the raiders, they were also in panic. So not all the Philistines are in that outpost or in that machane, in that camp. You have many outside in the fields. And we saw the matzav and the mashchit in the earlier chapter going out to attack the Jews. They're outside the camp and they see Androlamosia. They see something happening. They don't know what it is. And the verse continues. And they were also frightened. And the earth trembled. It was a panic sent by God. So obviously Hashem put fear in their hearts. The Arbabanel explains how it happened in a natural way. He says like this, They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know it was just two Jews doing all this. They thought they were being attacked by masses of soldiers. And they started to panic and be afraid of one another because they thought the guy next to them was a Jew. And we'll see that in the next few verses that there were a lot of Jews amongst the Philistines. Jews who had joined the Philistine ranks out of fear. Jews who were in Philistine lands who were serving the Philistines. Maybe even Jews who were mobilized into the Philistine army. And there's an episode at the end of Shmuel Bet where King David and his men almost end up fighting against King Saul and the Jewish army because he and his men had fled Saul. They went to Gat in the land of the Philistines and the king of Gat expected David and his men to fight against the Jewish army and they almost did. So you have like this fifth column of Jews inside that Philistine army causing even more confusion. So obviously this is a miracle, but in order for it to happen, you had to have Yonatan and his arms bearer take that shot in the first place. Rabbi Kahan writes in his commentary here, And here we learn a rule about having trust in Hashem. When it comes to obligatory war, Don't just look at the logic and the practicalities of it. Because it's up to the Almighty. And the salvation can come in the most unexpected ways. And so it was with the establishment of the state of Israel. When the United States and the West placed an embargo blocking Israel from getting any arms during that war of independence in 48, and all those of Kitnei Munah, of little faith, said that we should not proclaim a state because we got to be logical. There weren't enough arms. And who would expect that Yosef Stalin, Yamach Shemo, would decide to send weapons to Israel? So here we see to a miracle, but first the Jew has to go out and fight and do the best he can. And you know, in the days after Rabbi Meir Kahana was banned from the Knesset, he was later murdered, we learned this episode with Rabbi Binyamin Kahana, and we knew the Knesset wasn't the vehicle to bring the change anymore. And we always thought, how many people do you need to make it happen? A couple thousand people storm the Temple Mount, maybe, and bring the blessed change? I mean, what's the minimum amount of people that are needed to, let's say, storm the Temple Mount or storm the Knesset or whatever? And when we learned this episode with Rabbi Benyamakahana, he said, look, two people is enough. There is no minimum. Certainly, two people are enough to get things going. And if you know the history of the Lehi, 
There was a time when most of the Lechi was all in jail. There was one guy left, Yehoshua Kohn, who drove the British crazy. And eventually, the Lechi got stronger and stronger, along with the Etzel, and they were able to blow the British out of Israel, which was also a miracle. So just like Yonatan said early in the chapter, when he started out on this mission, he said nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by a few. And so we see here the rule is that if the Jew exhibits self-sacrifice in the literal sense of the word, then Hashem can open all the doors. Okay, so while the Philistine camp is in panic mode, verse 16 is going to tell us what's going on on the Jewish side. What's going on with Saul? And it says in verse 16, And Saul's lookout men who are in Givat Binyamin, they're looking at it this, they see the multitude of the Philistine army melting away in all directions. And they can't understand it. And there's a discussion. What does it mean, that the multitudes were melting? What does that mean? What does Saul see there? Well, according to the Ralbach, it's not just what he sees, but it's what he hears. That this melting, it's a voice that's melting, a voice of weakness and defeat. So what Saul sees there, it's not just the lack of formation, that they're out of army formation and they're in disarray, but it's the crowd noise they hear. This noise or voice of weakness and defeat. So Saul knows something's going on, and he says in verse 17, Vayoma Shaul Elam. And Saul said to the people, Asherito, who were with him, Pikduna Ureu, muster up the forces or inspect the forces, find out who left us. So Saul suspects that somebody left the camp and started up with the Philistines. Vifkidu, and they checked it out. Vihine Enyonatan, Vinosekelav. And behold, Yonatan and his arms bearer were not there. So Saul knew that somebody went out to fight the Philistines to cause all this. And he knew deep inside him that it was the son Yonatan who had the guts and the bitachon to do it. So what does Saul do in verse 18? He is the Kohen Gadol. And Saul said to Achia, remember, the Kohen Gadol was accompanying Saul. And we saw at the beginning of the chapter that the priest's name was Achia, son of Achituv, the brother of Ikavod. We saw he was with Saul. And now Saul is going to ask him. And he asks the Kohen Gadol, Hagisha Aron Elokim, bring near to me. The Ark of God. For the Ark of God was with the children of Israel on that day. So they were carrying this Ark of God with them, bringing it to the battlefield, which was customary to do. And remember, there's no Shiloh anymore. There's no permanent Mishkan. There's no tabernacle. So the Ark is even more portable than usual. And they brought it out with them. And Saul wants that Ark brought to him from the priests because he wanted to ask a question from the Urim and the Tumim. Perhaps he wanted to know what happened to Yonatan, what's going on over there. And it says in verse 19, And it was when Saul was speaking to the priest, that the tumult and the balagan that was in the camp of the Philistines was increasing more and more. And Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. So Saul was about to ask a question. We're not sure what the question is because he never got to ask it. Because when he saw that the Philistines were in such disarray and confusion and panic, he realized this is no time to ask questions. This is a time to chase him down. So we might have wanted to ask the Urim and Tumim, is Hashem with us? But when he saw the tumult in the Philistine camp, he realized Hashem is definitely with us. Chaval al I can't waste time on this. And while it might sound logical what Saul did, 
the rabbis criticized Saul for his impatience that he should not have said asfuyadecha. He shouldn't have said, withdraw your hand. He shouldn't have abandoned his plan to seek divine guidance. It was like a cheapening of the whole process by asking for the umetumim and then saying, forget about it. But other commentators don't see anything wrong with it. But let's remember this whole thing down the road because later on, towards the end of the chapter, we're going to get back to this whole thing where Saul asked for the umetumim and then said, never mind. Verse 20, and now it's time for Saul to get out and chase the Philistines down. And Saul and all the people who were with him, they gathered. And they joined the battle. And they found the Philistines in total confusion, killing each other with their swords. And now verses 21 and 22 are going to explain what caused all this panic and confusion other than the fact that Hashem put it into their hearts. But what happened naturally? So it says, And the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines previously, who had gone up with them to their camp, but now they turned against the Philistines and they now were with Saul and Yonatan. So like we said, there were a whole bunch of Jews amongst the Philistines and they became a fifth column. And when this thing turned around on the Philistines, they joined their brethren and started killing Philistines from inside. They became an enemy of the Philistines from within. Not only that, but it says in the next verse that all those Jews, remember those Jews who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim, who were hiding in the caves and the cracks and the crevices that went to the east bank of the Jordan River? Well, when they heard that the Philistines were on the run, they also joined the battle in hot pursuit. So all those Jews who had abandoned Saul in the last chapter and left him with 600 men, they're now joining the ranks, pursuing the Philistines. Everybody loves a winner. And verse 23 says, And the Lord saved Israel on that day. And the battle passed to a place called Beit Aven. And Beit Aven is southwest from Michmash. They're chasing them out of there towards Philistine territory. Anyway, there's no doubt that all these Jews who turned against the Philistines or who joined the battle as Johnny come latelys, no question that they played a key role in turning the tide in this war. The Mitzvah that David talks about what happened, how these Jews suddenly turned on the Philistines. What were they doing with the Philistines in the first place? And he says like this, Ki rabim Yisrael garu Philistim. A lot of Jews lived in the land of the Philistines. Vayu meshua bedim lehem. And they were subservient to them. Yisrael. And they went up with the Philistine armies to fight the Jewish people. And so these same Jews who were coming to help the Philistines, they now turned against the Philistines. They joined the nation of Israel when they saw that the tables had turned. So we're not talking about loyal Jews. We're talking about people who go with the strong horse. But the fact is that when they joined their Jewish brethren, when they turned on the Philistines, that's what caused the great panic and confusion. And Rabbi Kahana says the following regarding this. Yeshkan klal chashuv. And we have here a very important rule. That we should never forget. Any minority who lives amongst the majority and any minority that is subservient to that majority. In any way. As long as they have no way out. He'll be part of that majority. He'll agree with that majority and maybe contribute to that majority. And by being part of that majority, it will create an illusion as if he has now joined his brothers, as if this majority are now his brothers. 
And the rabbi concludes from all this, and therefore we must know, that the Arabs of Israel, including the Arab citizens of the state of Israel, they're a fifth column, they're a danger and a time bomb, and we have to move them out. And this commentary here really encapsulates a book that Rabbi Kahana wrote in the early 80s called They Must Go, which is all about the danger of the Arab population in Israel. And he's learning it out from here, from the Jews who became a fifth column to the Philistines. The rabbi understands how the Arabs in Israel can become a fifth column. The moment they see that their brothers have the upper hand, they'll join their Arab brethren against the majority Jewish population. And let's not forget the rabbi wrote this commentary back in the late 70s, early 80s. And we're not done yet. This war's not over yet. King Saul and the Jewish army are going to continue to chase down those Philistines. They're going to try to wipe them out. Let's see if they can finish the job in our next year.